host, Victor Beltran. Welcome, everyone. It's the weekly wrap-up with me, Victor Beltran. Thanks for joining us, episode two. Um, for those who tuned in last week, you know, I had some bold predictions, and uh, some of them were right, and uh, some of them were wrong. Uh, this week, I'm joined by an old friend, a special guest, a good buddy of mine, Mr. John Pratt. John, thanks for coming in. Hey, how's it going, Slick? Um, John is a uh, diehard Green Bay Packer fan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, very much so. Since you were a little kid, right? Definitely, since about five years old. So we all know my um, passion for the 49ers, so we'll... We'll talk about that later on. Uh, first, I'd like to start off by talking about the divisional playoffs. Um, the first games on Saturday we had, uh, the first game was the 49ers versus the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I really I really felt that game went the way I thought it would. Uh, final score, 27-10. to 10. Um, The 49ers really were able to contain uh, Kirk Cousins and the running game. Cook, he ended up finishing with only 22 uh, yards rushing. Um, it was just, uh, I'm sorry, 18 yards rushing for Dalvin Cook. So it was just a complete domination by the uh, the Niners up front. Um, John, how, how did you feel uh, the game went? Did you kind of feel like it went the way you thought it would? Uh, I definitely agree. Um, there's a couple of points that I would like to maybe throw out there to you. Um, I think that maybe they didn't show up enough because a lot of the Minnesota coaches are now part of the offensive or the head coach of the Browns was the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. So he took hit, not only he, he, he's the head coach now, but he took seven other coaches from their coaching staff. So I think they may have been preoccupied mentally and wasn't prepared a hundred percent for the game. I'm not taking anything away from the front of San Francisco because they are a very good team set up very good in a position with a great head coach and Kyle Shanahan, a great GM and Mr. Lynch. So I just say it might have gone a little bit different if they had played the first week where when Kirk Cousin played his heart out and they had everything, uh, you know, set up for him to succeed. That's a very interesting point. Um, I'm not a huge fan of allowing teams to conduct their interview process while uh, another team is still, is, you know, still playing in the playoffs. You know, it's just I think all those interviews should just wait till after the season's over. It's just a distraction. It's just a distraction. I completely agree. Um, the next game that that uh, that day was the Baltimore. Uh, yes, the uh, Baltimore Ravens versus the Tennessee Titans. Now I said that the ten was just too much. You know, they were giving up the ten points. I thought that was way too much, but. I did not. I did not uh, foresee that that level of dominance on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think when you break it down, I would say you know they 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 made Lamar Jackson beat him, and he didn't. He he missed a lot of throws that, quite frankly, I thought were kind of not not that difficult. You know, he missed a couple of gimme throws, and um, what we saw from him during the season would make you believe he would make those throws. Uh, that that makes him 0 for two, two pretty poor performances by Lamar Jackson. Um, kind of reminds me of uh, Peyton Manning when he first got into the playoffs. But uh, what do you what do you uh, credit that uh, performance to? Well, I definitely uh, appreciate more of the Vrabel mentality, and his mentality is we got to all come in this together. There's no one person bigger than the other person. 
we all have a certain lane and role and responsibility and that's what we need to do to the best of our abilities and uh he's done a very uh very well from making the trade to get Tannehill and then being able to implement their, his success with his coaching they're 7 and 3 in the last 10 games uh they've gotten to beat some of the top teams in the NFL the AFC particular uh New England um Houston, Kansas, Kansas City. City, you know, so they've been able to take it to some teams and it was very surprising because I actually have a lot of, um, not the disdain, but I don't have a lot of confidence in Ryan Tannehill. So I am a little surprised that he's been able to complete some of the things he's been able to complete it. And so I give him his, uh, I give him his props for sure. I think Ryan Tannehill is a huge reason for for their success. You know, the defense has been playing lights out, but uh, Ryan Tannehill has really made some big throws, deep balls, um, in stride, you know. A.J. Brown. And, and they that, kept Lamar Jackson pretty much uh, in, in the pocket, not able to get out and be explosive like he he's known to be for the season in particular. Right. No, definitely. Um, they had that spy on him. Yeah, he couldn't really do any of those big runs. Um, he, he, I think, he had like one big run, but other than that, they're like, "We're, we're gonna, we're gonna have a spy on you, and we're gonna make you beat, beat us with your arm." And he was not able to do that. I think a lot of the Tannehill success also you can you can credit to uh, to the success of Henry. You know, Henry was just again j- just like with New England, um, he was just unstoppable. Um, he had uh, what was it? Uh, almost what 200 yards rushing 195 yards rushing on 30 carries that when you have that kind of stuff going on it really sets up the play action you you fake the ball to him uh gives Tannehill some nice opportunities to to throw the ball down the field well every everybody's afraid of Henry you know they're giving them the moniker King Henry you know uh they're they're uh they're really concerned on what type of power back he is he's gonna run through you he doesn't care who you line up He's going to find a way to split somebody's two tackles and and head to the to the end of the end zone. So that's the guy you want. He's young. He's actually on his last year of his rookie deal. So he's probably looking for a big payday. He just came out as the regular season rushing champ. Sets him up really nice for an offseason, especially if they win the AFC Championship and potentially a Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I think so too. Um, you definitely got to pay the man. Uh, he's 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 you know he's still he's still in his prime. Um, you could definitely get a good three four years out of him. Absolutely, oh, yeah. pay so the man. I believe twenty seven, twenty six, or maybe twenty seven. Um, the following day, um, that was uh, started off by the Chiefs versus the Texans. Um, as I explained before, um, this show is recorded in Houston, Texas. I have love for the Texans as well as John here. And uh, let me just tell you, it was uh, it was it was it was embarrassing. Um, it was, I mean, it was painful because you know you go up. What was it twenty four zero? You go up twenty four zero. Of course, I told everybody take the ten, so that's thirty four zero if you got the points. And you're thinking, okay, maybe maybe we lose, but we're not going to lose by that much. And then you, even then, you're thinking we're not going to lose. Like th- losing is not even a part of the equation but you know um after the game you kind of just uh kind of just analyze things and and you you look at what was happening uh 
you know, some of those points were given off of uh, a fumble recovery. Uh, you looked at uh, Kansas City. They were just kind of just turning the ball over. Um, they were still able to move the ball down the field. And, I mean, once they got clicking, it just it just got ugly really quick. Uh, I, I really, um, you know, you look at Deshaun Watson. He, he didn't have a terrible game. Um, was able to get some yards. But, I mean, I think the key in that game was just, was just the defense, the defense to allow what was it, seven touchdowns in a row? Yeah, um, that's it, an NFL record. Our defense being exposed and um, you know shown for really that we have some a lot of pieces missing in the team to make it a complete team. And I know everybody can say, well, there's pieces on every team like that. Yeah, but it does take a certain effort to make sure that these pieces are responsibly taken care of by talented players and uh we need to find somebody who can put those players in a better role and a better success uh position because right now um it's only going to go so far i believe with this coach and i do appreciate the players that he's drafted under his campaign i just do not appreciate his decision making in crucial times would you fire him immediately <laughs> I mean, I've been saying it. He just, I mean, how, let me ask you this: How do you, how do you do a fake punt on fourth and two when you're up by that many points? Why would you even give them the opportunity? You're winning. You, you I mean, and then I, I, I just, it, it's baffling. You know, he he baffles me every week, and you just have so much talent. You know, um, I don't think they were ready for the Super Bowl. I thought defensively they were lacking but i thought because they have deshaun watson you have d hop um you have playmakers that maybe that could be enough but uh yeah they're not they're not ready defensively defensively they're still like you said they're still missing a couple pieces so hopefully they can draft somebody get somebody in free agency but but you know i don't think they're too far off i think they're actually uh the closest they've ever been because you can say, well, what about with Mashab when we, you know, finished? I think the highest with Mashab was maybe the number two seed or oh nine. It was the third seed, three seed, yeah. And we played Cincinnati, uh, the six seed, and we actually won. Our no, we lost our first game, but we won our second playoff game against right. Cincinnati. So, but I mean, that's what, that's with Matt Schaub, and I, I yeah. was never a Matt Schaub believer. Uh, uh, Watson, I think, gives you a legitimate uh, chance to win just because of the playmaking abilities. Yeah, and he has good aptitude for the game. Absolutely. Student of the game. And the last game of the divisional round was the Seattle Seahawks versus the Green Bay Packers. Of course, my buddy John's Green Bay Packers. So like I said last week, I said Seattle takes Seattle. They're going to win. Um, I was I was wrong. I was mistaken. Defensively, they are not the same Seattle Seahawks that they used to be. The Legion of Doom of Boom is dead. Uh, and, and it showed uh, they, their coverage. Um, they were wide open receivers. I'm not taking any way from anything away from uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he made some big throws on third down, uh, third and long. It seemed like every third and long was just like completion, completion, completion. And I mean, you can't take anything away from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I thought uh, Russell Wilson w- would be able to do enough, but I think it kind of took him a little while to get going. Uh, he never has won in uh, Green Bay. Um, not known for playing well in cold weather, 
And so maybe that was a factor. Um, he's not. He's. I don't think his hands are as big as the other quarterbacks. He is a shorter person, so um, maybe that played a role. But uh, what do you what do you think was a uh, major I, role in that game? To me, that was a very very good game. That was probably the most competitive game um, between both almost equal teams. And I agree to the fact that yeah, Green Bay won, but the main reason they won, I believe, is because they're in Lambeau, and Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, and I would definitely franchise my organization around somebody like Russell Wilson. Um, a thing about Russell Wilson though is he kept him within the spread. The, the spread ended at five and five, four and a half. You know what I mean? So. If you got to pick it at the five and then you bought the hook, you won. If you got the five, you push. You didn't lose. You know what I mean? It's those very last moments where if you did jump on that four and a half, you just bid at the wrong time. That's on you as a as a better, not on the performance of Seattle. They were projected to look at like this in that range. Yeah, Vegas uh, does it again and gets it pretty much on the money like they usually do, right? Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it was like you said. It was definitely the most competitive game. Um, these these teams are uh, very well matched. You know, like you said, it, it was probably that little home field advantage because they each win on each other's home field. It, when they, when they do that, when Green Bay goes to Seattle, usually Seattle will take the win, and vice versa. And that's just the way they've played. And um, it, it's it's hard to say if it's like particularly the home field advantage or just the fact that maybe whatever situational week that they play in, there might be injuries or whatnot to also lead up to, you know, why they lost or won, you know, for each team. I agree. Um, the next thing we're going to move on to is the conference championships. Oh, man. And then there was four. It's the final four. <laughs> um, so the first matchup is Tennessee at Kansas City. Um, What's what the date and time on that? Um, that's going to be Sunday at 2 o'clock. All right, all right. Early game then. Early game. Uh, spreads at 7 points at the moment. Um, of course, uh, that's going to be Titans getting the 7. Oh, yeah. Where do you, where do you, where do you see this game going? What are your predictions? Where, what do you uh, think are some of the key, keys for this game? What's the OU they got down here? Uh, the OU is sitting at 53. 53. Well, I'm going to... Personally, gonna go with the uh, the under as the main bet because I feel like uh, as explosive the Chiefs can be and at home, um, they can easily cover that seven if they decide. It's gonna be a revenge game. I know you don't normally take regular season games and compare them to how you play each other in the postseason, but I feel like there's a factor of well we played you, we beat you, we kind of got the better of you now. This the time for Kansas City to get their revenge on that. Will it happen? Who knows? What Vrabel needs to do to win is obviously run Henry and keep Mahomes as in the pocket and as cramped as possible. He can't let them do what Mahomes did to Houston. Run around, throw the ball like he's a madman. And that's what Mahomes can do. And... So they're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to take 12 to 15 play drives, eat the clock, limit the possibility of Mahomes on the field is the best action to win, in my opinion. And what's what I feel like Vrabel's been doing with a lot of these uh, running quarterbacks that he's had to face. 
Do you think uh, Tennessee can pull off the upset? I do. I do. I definitely think they could. Right now, they're playing on a on a hot streak. They're all believing in each other. Uh, they're playing with a good momentum. Nobody is counting them in, so that gives them a fire that not normally people can relate to. So they're they're motivated beyond what we normally think as just athletes trying to compete. These guys are in it to win it, or it's all in or nothing. You know. I I, I agree. Um, I I got Kansas City winning this game. I'm not saying Tennessee can't pull off the upset. I think Tennessee has the the right formula to do it. You know, they they're gonna run the ball. We already know they're gonna run the ball. Um, they already beat uh Kansas City early, uh, in the middle of the season. Um, it was in Tennessee. The only difference, but the way they beat him was the way they can beat him now, and that's Derrick Henry. He had 188 yards that game. Um, he was pretty much unstoppable. If he's able to do what he's been doing these last couple of weeks, you got to give Tennessee the edge because you, you keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. Time of possession is very crucial in this game. We know what, what Mahomes can do. It doesn't, he doesn't really need that much time. Um, we saw the Texans game. It took a one quarter to score 28 points and overcome that lead. So um, he's able to strike quickly. So our... Um, the only reason why I got Kansas City because I think I think Tennessee keeps it close, but uh, I think Mahomes is, is is special. Although Tennessee's defense is great, um, I think Mahomes is just a little bit greater, and I think he can he can pull off something. But I think it comes down to like the last drive, Mahomes driving him down for maybe the game winning field goal or touchdown. What do you think the over and under is for Henry's uh, rushing yardage? I mean, I think he's going to have more than one, one fifty. You think he'll have more than one fifty? Because I feel like if Kansas City has a chance, then they're going to have to do the similar things as well. They can't have; they can potentially have the bang bang plays and try to take off from there. But I feel like they can also limit the the time of Henry being on their the the field as well by doing maybe some dink and dunk plays. Travis Kelsey for five. Like Kelsey was bleeding the Texans once he started catching the ball after the first quarter and all the drops stopped happening. That's when Kansas City just took off. And so if they start getting that under and that middle part, then they can potentially keep the Titans off the field and keep Henry from getting because I feel like if he gets 150 or more, then the Titans are definitely going to cover and potentially win. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. I, I have the I have the game being close. And that's the only way. If if they're able to, you know, give you a steady dose of Henry, and he's able to to, to have success um, defensively, um, I think they will be able to definitely limit them. Um, I, I don't I don't see Kansas City putting up uh, fifty points again. You know, so I think I think uh, you, you know Henry's able to have a little success, but at the end, I think Kansas City pulls out a nail biter. That's what I, that's what I'm leaning towards. I agree. Uh, I agree. So the next game, the final game of the championship weekend, and that is of course the San Francisco 49ers, the greatest football organization of all time, versus the Green Bay Packers in so, San Francisco. In San Francisco, the Big Jeans Levi Stadium. What's the uh, time of the game? So for the 49er game, we're looking at a late kickoff. That's going to be at 540 Central. Yes, on Fox. 
Um, let's see. The spread on this one is seven and a half. Oh wow! Disrespecting Aaron Rodgers. Oh, wow. Over under at forty six. Well, you got to look at it. Okay, Aaron Rodgers. His the three losses they had this season. Philadelphia early in the season in Lambeau. Their only loss in Lambeau was against Philadelphia. Carson Wentz coming off a fire. Uh, a good game, back-to-back performances. He knew where he was trying to take his team. So he took a, a, a vulnerable Packers that were overlooking them and focused more on Chicago and Detroit and Minnesota who were in their division who were climbing up in the ranks as well at that point in time. So their other two losses, San Francisco and San Diego, California teams. He hasn't been able to get it done in California. I don't know if it's because he's been partying out there. There were rumors that when they played in San Francisco, they were spotted, seen the night before in a club, drinking the team, Green Bay. So it could be that they were just trying to have a good time and they just didn't care about those games. And that's what happens when you slip up against a team like San Francisco, who's an organization that, has a lot of up and downs for this past decade, but when they're on, they're on. So right now, they're in a position where they're on right now. There's nobody who can deny that. So if they can maintain that, then it should be around what this spread is looking like. But what I'm thinking is these guys, uh, the Packers just came in off of a hard fought, a hard battle against Seattle. They know that San Francisco's not going to be any easier. So they got to tighten up even more. Will they be able to accomplish that? Um, I believe the the uh, the key to this game is is the defensive line for the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think enough is said about it. I think mainly because uh, D Ford missed a lot of time. Um, a healthy D Ford this season, and you would just see uh, just sack records being challenged because when he was on there in the beginning of the season, they were just getting sacks left and right. When you just look at the those front four of, of, of D Ford on one side, you got Bosa on the other, you know, uh, Armstead and Buckner. Alexander right there. It's, it's, it's going to be very difficult for any offensive line to be able to stop those four guys. I mean, you got four guys coming at you. Um, that really relieves a lot of pressure from the secondary Although you got all pro Richard Sherman, so I mean, the when you look at the Niners' defense, um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Fred Warner. Um, he's just a huge, uh, huge leader on the field defensively, oh, yeah. um, and he's young too. I believe it's the second season, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, he's just been an incredible find for us, uh, a game changer. So um, you factor in the defense, and I think uh, Shanahan's play calling. I think it's going to be very difficult uh, for Green Bay to have success when they really rely on Aaron Rodgers. So the the potential success that Green Bay could have in in what I feel like the game plan coming in is to limit the run game from San Francisco. Garoppolo is a good quarterback. He doesn't look necessarily elite. You know what I mean? Um, for whatever reason, he he just doesn't have the the he he may not even be at his peak point as his career yet so you know he could be getting better and just not have reached his peak yet but as of now I don't feel like the Green Bay will have to worry about Jimmy G uh, beating the Packers what I think they'd have to worry about is the run game and of course Kittle and they got use check over there as their fullback which allows them a whole array of different offensive plays and schemes that make 
Kyle Shanahan's playbook look like a genius. And so it's certain people that I feel like Green Bay has to key on to get their success. You shut down the fullback, you shut down the running back, even the tight end on these short plays, I feel like they'll have a chance. I feel like they have good offensive uh, components, not a, a big set, but they have a few pieces. You got Aaron Jones over there running the ball pretty well, and you got um, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams over there catching anything, getting thrown to him. You know, uh, I think he's got uh, he's in a position to break the record for the most touchdowns by a receiver in a season this weekend. I think he's tied at twenty-two touchdowns with. Uh, Randy Moss? I don't know if it's wrong. Maybe Marvin Lewis? I'm not or sure. Or Harrison? Maybe Marvin Marvin Harrison? Harrison. Uh, not Marvin Lewis. What am I saying? The coach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I apologize. But definitely, I think it was uh, Harrison. And um, But yeah, that, that I thought that was pretty neat. So I feel like, you know, they're not worried about those uh, records or anything like that. But I feel like that could be a potential way to get an advantage on San Francisco. Now, does it play out like that, or does San Francisco just come and push you around like the big brother? You know, because that's what they've been doing. They've been pushing you over, giving them more opportunity to be on the offensive side and make plays. You know, they they picked up Emmanuel Sanders, one of the biggest pickups, to help their offense in the in the deep deep balls uh, become, you know, a, a real threat. So, I mean, they have a lot of good. Uh, they have a lot of good scheme and, and things that they can do. So what can they do to stop a potential Aaron Rodgers fourth quarter comeback? Because that's what it will always be worried about. At the end of the game, can I make sure I separate myself long enough so I can't get this magical Aaron Rodgers comeback that he can be known for? No, you're right. Uh, we know we know what he can do uh, in crunch time. Um, yeah, I think the factor, like you said, about the running game, um, if, if the 49ers are able to run the football – that means they can do all the play action. That means the whole the bag of tricks is open for Shanahan, and you know it'll it'll be over before it started. But um, yeah, no, I I agree with those those uh, those points. Um, a couple of other things that are currently happening in the NFL that we just we just have to talk about because uh, some of this stuff is just uh, uh, just pretty outrageous to say the least. Uh, I'll start off with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, we all know he's from LSU, LSU alum. Uh, he was seen cause you know, he was, he was, uh, on the, the field. Game. He was at the game. He had, you know, he's on the field. Uh, so they win the game. He comes on the field with just a huge wad of cash. He probably had, probably had about $10,000. What are you doing walking around with that and, much And money? then he's just handing out money to the LSU players, right? Which, of course, you know, we're just thinking, okay, well, they won the game. Congratulations. Well, you know, that's against NCAA uh, rules. You know, you can't just do that. Because you could potentially be paying, playing the players to play a certain way. Exactly. So that's why the NCAA doesn't allow you to do that. So the interesting thing about it is at first some of the people were saying, oh, you know, it's fake. It's not real money. But uh, Boro comes out and uh, he's like... That's that real money. <laughs> because... He's done. He's finished. He's I'm no longer yeah. he's no longer a student athlete. He can no longer get in trouble because now he is going to the NFL. But guess yeah. what? 
your teammates, uh, some of them are coming back next year. Yep. So for you to come on and just snitch everybody out and say that was real money, I mean, come on, Joe Burrow. I, I think he was unaware <laughs> of the, uh, the ramifications. The, the ramifications, uh, yeah, because he. Uh, I feel like if he would have known, he's one of those team guys. He's not gonna put maybe any, maybe. Else. And if he did know, you should know you because he was like he was like in college for like five years. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what I mean is the excitement of winning and just being in the moment of true the 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 moment of the moment. You know, right, right. Um, so yeah, that was, that was crazy. And then, and then, uh, in the locker room after the game, he like slaps security officer in the butt. It was a policeman. It was a policeman. It was a, uh, the the video is, is pretty clear. The, uh, the policeman is walking around trying to get people to stop smoking cigars. Uh-huh. He's telling people to put them out, put them out, put them out. People are like, Hey man, there's one guy who's sitting in the main part of the video. He's like, I'm throwing mine in my, uh, Gatorade bottle. I'm putting it out. He's telling right. the cop, you know, you don't hear no sound, but you can pretty much read the lips. And so the cop goes to another couple of gentlemen in the locker room. He's like, hey, man, put it out. Well, Odell's right behind him. And as he goes back to check on the guy who throws it originally in the first Gatorade bottle, he bends over to double check it. Odell just gives him the old watcha on the backside. <laughs> and the cop turns around, looks at him like, are you insane you know and then he kind of shrugs it off because it was probably an awkward moment right right and right. you don't know necessarily what to do because as somebody of in a in the, in the realm of sports that's gonna happen with athletes to athletes but you just being in the vicinity and it happening to you i can understand why the cop may have feel violated and maybe he can get some type of financial gain off of it. I'm sure. I don't I'm, know. I'm sure it's all about the money. It's you just know, it's all you know. about the money. Um. So I mean, yeah, that's just just crazy, right? I mean, I don't even. I mean, what do you even attribute that to? I'm I'm just thinking, just being young and stupid, right? Do you think he was drunk? That's what I was thinking. Probably because... drunk. Maybe he was probably smoking a little bit too. Probably, you know, he's been known to uh, indulge. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, but I mean, come on, that's just. Uh, you're putting yourself in a position to be punished by your boss that you're not even at your work and you're about to get in trouble. You know what I mean? Like potentially that's like the whole Friday movie with ice cube getting fired while he was on his day off. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. how does that happen? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, he's just, he's gotta be more careful. You know, you got too many people watching you, especially at the at the championship game, everybody's watching, and he's a superstar. And you exactly, know? just gotta be a little bit more careful. Speaking of being a little bit more careful, Antonio Brown. So he has just recently been dropped by Drew Rosenthal, the best, biggest uh, agent in the world, yeah. in sports world. Um, basically, saying, you know, I don't want to represent this guy until he gets some help. Um, the recent thing that really set this off was he did like an Instagram live where he was recording and streaming to the world. Um, the cops were involved. I, I believe it was some type of uh, call. It was a domestic disturbance. Domestic uh, dispute, yeah. Right, and, and he's out there talking uh, all sorts of uh, smack to, his, to the mother of his child while the children are there, and it's just a spectacle, right? Just, just uh, he's talking bad to the police officers and just just making uh to be honest just a complete idiot of himself you know if you want to just say it like it is and really sad uh to see a guy who you can make the argument was the best receiver in football last time he was playing when he was healthy with the Steelers 
uh, I mean, what do, what do you, what is your opinion on this whole Antonio Brown saga? I uh, I definitely have a lot of different mixed emotions for Antonio Brown. I feel like he has um, contributed to a lot of his failures himself, but I also feel like some situations were set up for him to fail. You know, and what I mean by that, for an example, is um, he knew he wanted to get out of Pittsburgh and the only way is to the force the hand. He probably asked Tomlin, hey, man, I need to get out of here. Tomlin's like, no, uh, you're a good player. We need you on this team. We don't want you on another team. And so his resort is I got to act foolish. And that's the out for a lot of these young players now or any player. If you want out of an organization just act a bit of a fool and your talent can overlap some of that foolishness to get you on another team that you potentially would like to be with. And it's not the smartest route for a lot of these cats because this opportunity is so small. And you can see right now, I bet Antonio Brown is wishing that he played this season, not because necessarily he wanted to play. I'm not saying that he didn't, but probably he missed that, you know, $20 million that, he could have had that is gone now. So I have an interesting theory on Antonio Brown and why he has apparently gone insane. So I don't know if you remember this, but this occurred January of 2016. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cincinnati Bengals in a, a wild card division. It was a playoff game, wild card division around. I remember um, the game. Cincinnati lost to Pittsburgh, uh, nail biter at the end. Um, I th- oh, it, oh, it was because of a penalty that happened mm-hmm. at the end of the game. Uh, what's his name? Vontez Perfect put a hit, and Antonio Brown. I mean, I saw the video earlier just to kind of uh, reminisce on this to see if it uh, for, because of my theory. Um, and he put a shoulder right into his helmet, like full speed. Antonio catches the ball, he turns, and boom, right to the head. You see the head just move, uh, whiplash. Um, he, his whole body does like a complete 360. Stiff. Then he just, he just, he lands just, just stiff, just like, yeah. uh, completely. I mean, he suffered a concussion. He was laying on the field for, for a long time. Yeah. It was one of the most devastating hits I've ever seen. I that was that. to the head, straight to the head. Now, that occurred January of 2016. Um, from what I could gather on the information that, in terms of Antonio Brown's friction with like Ben Roethlisberger and other people from the Pittsburgh organization, all that seems to have occurred after uh, that date. Not directly after, but um, after that date. I also gathered that one of the big things that was big that started this whole uh, avalanche uh, for Antonio Brown was the Facebook Live debacle. Mm. Um, when after a playoff win the following season, uh, January of 2017, um, he felt that Antonio felt that it was the right thing to do to broadcast the celebration post-meeting uh, with the world. And he put it on on Facebook Live. Of course, he was reprimanded by the team. Like, why would you even think you should even be able to doing that? Um and yeah, like after that, there were more issues, like you said. Maybe he was trying to get out at that point. But I, I mean, I'm a firm believer in in the the way the brain is hurt. You know, the way it's affected by these hits. And you look at perfect example, Aaron Hernandez. You know, he went on and killed people. 
uh, one person for sure that we know of that he was found guilty for. He's also being charged for other murders, but I mean, they did an autopsy on his brain. It was Swiss cheese. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he's been playing football for a long time and he was young, you know? And so it, it's not about an accumulation. I mean, an accumulation of hits will eventually lead to that. But if you take very large hits, that could be enough right there. I think. Um, it'd be, I mean, it's interesting, I think, in, in, in terms of that hit maybe having some type of influence. I, I definitely can agree in the sense that um, I just in recently watched the, the first couple of episodes of the Aaron Hernandez uh, Netflix uh, series that they got going on. And very, uh, very eye-opening. I, I, you know, I wasn't sure about some of these things they were actually saying. I couldn't believe, uh, you know, that what they were saying about Aaron Hernandez, you know, uh, I, I didn't know to me, he seemed like a normal guy who just had some issues growing up and that helped, uh, lean him in the direction where he ended up doing those things that he did. It's an unfortunate situation, but when he finally passed away, uh, and they did the autopsy on his brain and they realized that it had been, uh, the furthest they had ever seen, as a man that his age. And so it just goes to show you that Antonio Brown, it, it'll only probably get worse in the next five to 10 years. And if it's, that is the case, then we can easily say it could be due to CTE trauma. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, what we're beginning to find out from all these medical studies is just the severity of, uh, of of these hits of the these injuries that the players are sustaining. Um, another thing uh, I want to talk about you mentioned to me when you first got here is uh, Larry Fitzgerald um, entering his seventeenth seventeenth season. Um, the great Larry Fitz. Uh, where do where do you rank him in the uh, the greatest receivers of all time? Do you do you put him up there? Well, you know what, I was a little surprised because uh, they didn't have him in the top one hundred team as the in the receivers. And I was a little surprised that he's in my top 100 team for sure. Uh, Larry, the living legend, Fitzgerald, is um, an all-time beast and a competitor and a great teammate. I've heard nothing but nothing but good things about this man and what he does for this community and the organization. And so hats off to the man and 17 years uh, mucho respect, man. Uh, that is an accomplishment just in itself. And um, he may not have a ring, but I would totally put that past and have him as a first ballot Hall of Famer, no problem. Uh, he definitely is a first ballot ballot Hall of Famer. I do have to correct you though. Larry Fitz is on the NFL. One hundred. One hundred. Um, yeah, he's 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 on there. Okay. Um, but I mean the guy. I think what is the number two? I think it's number two in uh, receiving yards and uh, receptions um, behind the great Jerry Rice. I don't think he's gonna catch him. Um, he's a little bit, uh, a little bit ways away um, from catching Jerry Rice. I think he would have to play probably another four or five years at a high level. Yeah. Um, the, although last season he finished with over eight hundred yards. Um, he, he still, he, like, he can still get it done. Um, obviously he's not a number one guy anymore, but, 
I mean, he could actually still be a number two, but I think he's probably your best bet as your number three guy. Um, and I think I believe he put in about almost 600 yards, about four to five touchdowns. So he's still keeping the production there. Um, he didn't get as many targets as he did last year. And that's obviously because they got a new coordinator in there, new uh, coach, new quarterback. So that all takes into effect on how this man can be able to produce. Um, I believe if he was given more opportunity, he would still be able to make the catches. You know what I mean? Maybe not gain as much yardage, but still make the catches. You know, yards after catch would probably definitely not be as uh, explosive as he used to be in his prime prime. But for sure, I feel like if he was at least targeted, say, another 10 to 15 percent, he would have a, you know, easy, you know, maybe 800 yards again as well, like he would have had last year. I agree. I think Larry Fitz uh, can still be very productive. And like you said, he's uh, very well known for him uh, helping out his teammates and all the younger guys. And you definitely got to put a lot of value into that. Um, The next thing I want to move on to something that is huge, huge news, uh, especially here in the city of Houston. Um, So this is hitting home. This is everywhere. Uh, and of course, uh, John here next to me, he, he he's a he's a Houston Astros fan. This is uh, this, this man's team, diehard, diehard Astros fan. So I'm definitely glad to have his opinion on this. I myself am a diehard New York Yankee fan, and uh, I was affected by what transpired here. As of course, um, the 2017 Houston Astros uh, won the World Series that year, beating the New York Yankees in the ALCS mm-hmm. in seven games. Um, the Astros have been found to have committed uh, these acts that they've been, you know, accused of. At first, they were just kind of rumors, but now it's there was a full investigation. We know what happened, um, what they did using technology to help them in uh, decoding the pitches. Um, John, you know, I know you played baseball growing up, um, a lot, definitely a lot better than I am. Uh, you played uh, in school, so um, as a person uh, who played the game. How much easier is it for you to hit the ball knowing that it's going to be a fastball? It it definitely does make a difference. And it's based on like this. What these baseball players are doing, they're getting a time uh, timing situation down. They're basing it uh, on how fast you're able to throw the ball and where your positioning is based on your, your, your body movements and your positioning of your body. So if I find out that you can angle it or you're doing it a certain way that allows me to time it better to get an edge on you, then then that's not fair, you know? I mean, I, everybody can make the case by saying, oh, these type of uh, small little cheats are, or, you know, in-between uh, doings, it was okay because everybody's done it and this, that, and the other. The biggest thing is, technology is making these type of acts to be aware now and so if you want to cheat you're gonna have to come up with new ways if you want to take that path of trying to find the best edge by any means necessary you're gonna have to find new ways because with what they're coming up with now all the old ways are getting exposed and i will not say that this the, the, the 2017 uh, championship has an asterisk by it. I don't say that because, honestly, I don't think the team needed it because we had a stud of a team. 
And that's what's the biggest surprise to me, honestly. Like, I feel like without the cheating, would they have lost or would they have won? I feel like we probably still would have won. And I know what you're saying. Well, oh, the Yankees took it to game seven and it could have swung either way. You're right. And at this point, we'll never know. But there's still a nucleus for the New York Yankees and they still have a chance because the punishment dealt to the Astros by the commissioner is a significant one. I mean, he took the manager and uh, the general manager suspended him for a year. And on not only that, the Astros organization decided to fire these guys and let it be known that this is not going to fly, not now and not ever, within these walls because we're not going to be that team to be looked at as somebody other teams have to look out for playing tricks to win. I, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I will say uh, a couple of things as well. First, I will say it, it's very difficult to assign uh, a value on how much the cheating helped, right? You, you really can't uh, go, well, the cheating helped them win this game or the cheating helped them in this uh, bases loaded, you know, bottom of the seventh, whatever. Like, we can't sit here and say what what exactly, when did it work, when didn't it work. Only they know that. Like, right. only the players know that. Right. But what I can tell you are, are just some numbers, right? So let's take the LCS, for example. Um, first two games in Houston. Houston wins 2-1, 2-1, nail biters at home with the cheating. So then you go to New York, 8-1, 6-4, 5-0. So these are more uh, convincing wins. Um, of course, no cheating involved. And then, of course, the last two games in Houston with the cheating, seven one four zero. As a Yankee fan, to know that this was going on, to know in the American League Championship Series, you literally have a camera zoomed into the pitcher's glove, I mean, to the catcher's glove, and you're decoding these signals. Um, I, I think that technology is advancing so fast right like yeah. Oh, yeah um you have satellites in space that can look at the front side of you look at your your house where your dog is you know using the restroom they can see that so this camera that is in the outfield zooming in like that's nothing to what they can probably do so i, th I think because that is happening or that can happen like you have to send a message right you have to let them know hey like because um, I hear some people saying, well, you know, uh, you know, this team does it or other teams do it. That, that doesn't like that doesn't mean it, that you're just going to allow it to happen. You have to go, well, we can't allow that to happen regardless of who is doing it. Now, granted, the only reason we even found out about this was because of a former Astro player coming out and, and you know, and letting everything out of the bag. And so now we have this investigation. Mike the rat fires. <laughs> <laughs> but. But it, it the, uh, to me, it's just like you said earlier, it's it's a shame because this team is so talented. You know, you have all these young killers that, that are, are great baseball players. And I, I, it's like, why would you even do that? Um, and here's another accusation that recently came out, and that's that uh, they were wearing buzzers under their jerseys to get some information. That's kind of, you know, I kind of read up on it. That's a little bit hazy because apparently it was the niece of, uh, was it Carlos Beltran? Supposedly. supposedly supposedly and then uh but they're saying no that she's not a niece yeah but she's not in any way related to the right it's, but it's kind of weird that the video that they showed was when he hit that home run against the yankees and he's telling his teammates hey don't yeah. don't rip off the jersey and he has to go to the locker room to change to put on the shirt why don't you just change right there in the dugout 
you know it it is a good it is a good uh point and i definitely agree um that it seems a bit funny and knowing that a team cheated you you can't put anything past them with something something like this so it's very understandable for them to have that possibility for sure the only thing that i i can say is the that from what i've heard is the the MLB has looked into that sp- specifically and they haven't found right they haven't have no, they don't have enough evidence yeah, to they, even they haven't found it right. to to be so. uh to be a you know a legitimate claim you know right now it's just a hearsay uh, so to speak i personally um was thinking about the punishment if that was a if that was enough for what what happened um and because you cannot take the championship away, you just can't redo the season. It's just, it is what it is. It, it, it happened. I would, I would be in favor of having them possibly forfeit a season. Like just, you can't make, no matter how good you do this year, you're just not going to, you can't be in the playoffs. You have to miss the playoffs one year. Kind of, kind of messed up because the same guys weren't on there that, we're on that team, you know, it's not the same exact roster, but it's, I mean, it's a little bit extreme, the, the amount of revenue and you're punishing a fan base that had nothing to do with it. So maybe not, maybe a little bit too extreme, but, uh, it's a little tough. <laughs> I guess it's really difficult to find that, that proper punishment. You know, that, that's what the commissioner was saying. Like, you know, if I can't do this because of that, you know, so I guess at the end of the day, the punishment was, uh, I mean, it had definitely had a ripple effect. You know, Alex Cora sure. gone, Carlos Beltran Stepping gone, down. didn't even get to manage a game. Technically, he wasn't fired though; he resigned. So they're trying Mutual. to say that he's they're trying to say that there's a legitimate contract agreement where he'll still get some of the money from just the signing of his right. signature on a, the paper. A little signing bonus. So let me give you another little uh, a little thing to say real quick. So from what I've heard is uh, what would be a good punishment per se would be, say, for the first 25% uh, of the season for the Astros, they have to give an extra out to every opponent. So instead of a three out per, they'd be four. And this way that gives the opponents, obviously, you get them an extra out, they're going to have a better chance of winning. So it kind of evens out for the past that has been wronged you give them a little chance to kind of do you dirty now. That's a very interesting thought. Uh, inter- I've never heard that one, but um, you you really can't do that because then you're compromising the stats. You have an extra out, so now these other these you know it's just stats are stats. <laughs> I love I mean, stats. I I understand, but we we look at how. Uh, so another thing I wanted to compromise or would like to say is. So we may have caught or, you know, the investigation may have shown light because of, you know, the words that Fire said and the investigation has proved it based on his words uh, was that, yeah, they cheated. But we don't go around putting asterisks on all the championship teams in the 90s, early 2000s that potentially had a lot of people doing steroids. And just because we don't have the necessary proof, we all know the era of what it was at that point. You know, and I'm not trying to justify, like I said, the cheating of now. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is they should know, people should know that because something got caught up or something like that doesn't mean you should take it away or say that they didn't earn it or something like that. There should be a way to 
make it fair and still allow them to compete at every same chance like everybody else. Because like you said, not all the players are on here. They, they were a part of it. Doesn't mean they even agree with doing it, even if they are. They just have to do it because that's what the manager's saying, the GM's saying. Right, right. No, no, you know? I, I, I understand what you're saying, absolutely. And uh, here, But here's the thing, though. Um, just like... Just like if you're looking, if you look in the sports almanac, there's no asterisk next to Barry Bonds. So yeah, when you look at the almanac, there's not going to be an asterisk next to that 2017 World Series title. But we've already put the asterisk on there, you know, because by just talking about it, you're putting it on there, even though it's not really on there, right? Right, right, but right. A right. lot of people that, um, you know, especially the the old heads when it comes to baseball, they still think Hank Aaron's the home run king. You know, and they still think that Roger Maris is the season king. So, right, right. you know, and and that has to do with 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 the steroids. And you know, you know, ultimately, yeah, there's not going to be an asterisk next to it. But the fact that this came out, the fact that this is a huge scandal, that team is going to always be remembered for this. It will have uh, an attachment for sure on their resume. All right, the last thing we're going to cover on this uh, week's episode is going to be the big UFC match. You got Cowboy Cerrone versus Connor the Irishman McGregor, hmm. uh, the main event of the UFC event on Saturday night. Who, who do you who do you got in this fight, uh, and what do you how do you think it's going to play out? Well, uh, I haven't uh, done too much research, but from what I can tell, just by uh, what I've seen and just uh, some of the things that I've read up and skimmed over. Um, is that it seems like Conor McGregor is uh, seeming to take care of himself a little bit more. Uh, he's probably, uh, you know, understanding that he's getting a little bit older and um, he wants to stay on the top of his, you know, game. So he has to do whatever he can to stay in the best condition. So I heard he's given up alcohol during his training. I've heard he's uh, changed up his diet. So I feel like he's going to come in with the most focus he's had in a long time. I feel like he's the favorite for a reason. And I usually try to find trends to try to buck the favorite, but I actually do sit think that Connor McGregor knocks him out before the third. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I uh, had to bet my life savings, I'll probably take Connor. Um, like you said, he's got this new demeanor, this new outlook on life. He, you know, he had a very, he was very humble during the press conference. Wasn't talking a lot of smack like he usually does. So, and like you said, giving up the drinking, um, he's definitely taking it a lot more uh, seriously. Conor McGregor has not won a fight, whether it was a UFC fight or a boxing fight, since November 12, 2016. So this man hasn't won a fight in over three years. So he definitely uh, is is needing this win. I mean, it's been such a long time. Um, you, you you definitely know that he you know something had to give. He had to change some things up. But the interesting about Donald Cerrone is he's he's also in a must-win scenario. He's at 36 years old, so he, I mean he's, he doesn't have too many fights left in him, and he's actually lost his last two fights. Um, the last one he got a TKO'd, and then the one before that he got TKO'd as well by Tony Ferguson. So he's um, definitely needs a win. Or I mean, you're at the point now where you start contemplating retiring. So um, I think that. If you're going to throw a little money on it, I, I, I throw a little money on Cowboy just because you can get more for it. You right. Know? Um, and, right. I, and, and I think it's going to be really, really close. Like like I said, he, he hasn't fought since uh, since he fought Khabib, you know, and that was October 2018. 
I mean, he didn't do anything last year. So, I mean, that that always plays a role. Uh, Cowboy was very busy last year. Cowboy fought four times, four times last year. Yeah. So, I mean, he he's a little bit. He's I think he's going to be a little bit sharper. Honestly, if if Cow if Con, you know Connor comes out very explosive in the beginning, if Connor can't put him away. Um, in these first couple of rounds, Cowboy's the kind of guy that gets better as the fight goes on. So exactly, um, if he can hold the distance a little bit more and not let Connor use his quick strikes, like because he has he's a little bit shorter than Cerrone, he has a uh, a little bit faster speed. So what Cerrone's going to want to do is maybe maybe dance a little bit and grapple, grapple on him. You know what I mean, and try to maybe get him on a takedown. If he can do these type of things and gain smaller points here and there, then he has a definite chance of uh, making it at the end. Um, he needs to last longer because if Cerrone's going to beat him in a short fight, is going to be either on a freak knockout hit or he's going to make McGregor slip or something to where he puts himself in a bad position and he just jumps on him and gets him in a move. You know what I mean? So it's not going to be likely that these things happen, but... Sprinkle a little something on there, you know. I wouldn't. I would probably put at least maybe twenty percent of my normal bet on something like a a Cerrone uh, wager, uh, just in case. Right, you know? right. You you always got a puncher's chance in the UFC. Well, that's it for this week, folks. Thanks for tuning in once more. Um, next week we're gonna go ahead and cover the the uh, the conference championship games. Talk about those. Give a little bit of some Super Bowl predictions. We didn't cover any NBA action. We'll probably uh, find a couple subjects to talk about uh, the next episode. So uh, see you all next week.